Blob Talk Radio. Welcome to Blurb, where the back of a book meets a discerning look. Each week, best-selling author Sally Shields and publishing guru Dr. Kent listen to pitches from five authors vying for Book of the Week honors. Now live, on the air, with vigor and style, are Dr. Kent and Sally, the bibliophiles. Hey there, Sally. How you doing? Uh, you got here in uh, time? Yeah, you, you sure know how to give, give a girl high blood pressure. <laughs> yeah, I thought I, like I was the one going to be late, and then and then two seconds before the show, you popped in. Indeed. So uh, you had a gig tonight. How was it? Oh, it was fine. It was it was one of those gigs where you just kind of go and play background music for an event, and no one pays attention to you. But it's okay because they compensate you very well, and that's the trade-off. No one's listening, but you get paid. Well, it's cool uh, hosting a show with Sally Shield to moonlights as a. Uh, uh, a jazz musician. Uh, um, she's been uh, uh, in the jazz scene for a long time, which is kind of fun. And that's why we have great jazz music uh, to start out our show every time. Who is that again? Uh, that is Earl Clue and uh, and Bob James. Well, we're on Blurb again, and, and I'm excited to be here. And uh, we're not here to talk about music. We're here to talk about books. And uh, uh, Sally Shields, of course, has her book, uh, The Daughter-in-Law Rules, and I'm a book publisher. And uh, we like to uh, listen to people's blurbs live on the air. Indeed. Well, I was very much looking forward to uh, to being here tonight. We have some. We have our first, or maybe it's our second genre show, which I know that uh, our producer has been interested in having us do. And we've just kind of had a mishmash up until now. But we have so many blurbs in the can that I think we can actually pull this off. Uh, we sure can. Yeah, we we got um, gosh about fifty, sixty. Uh, blurbs this last week, so that, that's been really fun. Uh, and uh, we've got five great new blurbs on the show today from nonfiction authors. Indeed, indeed. So um, what do you think? Should we start off with a blurb tonight, or is there anything else you'd like to talk about before we dive right in? Well, I was thinking we could uh, do a little bit of psychoanalysis first. <laughs> okay. No, but but I, uh, last week we, of course, had our winner, Christopher Missick, and we're going to talk to him later on on the show. Uh, and very exciting fun. that Christopher is actually in the chat room with us, so I, I'm really excited about that. And and uh, a little bit about Christopher's uh, blurb. Uh, he he really uh, did a beautiful job, uh, and, and his blurb was timely. That's what I liked so much about it. It was timely and it was it was thoughtful and you know the thing that I always say to people is that you only need two things to be a successful author and those two things are a passion for your topic and a sincere desire to help people to help people and and Christopher Missick has both of those those things in droves so we really enjoyed his blurb and his message and we're very much looking forward to talking to him a little bit later in the show. All right, so now let's listen to our first blog, uh, blurb of the night, and uh, let's listen to Charles Jacobs. Uh, this is a nonfiction blurb. Blog Talk Radio. Father's Day is just around the corner. What could be tougher than trying to choose a gift for Grandpa, one that has real meaning for him? When I wrote my latest book, The Writer Within You, I did it to fill a void that so many grandpas really grandmas too, complain of. They want to write their memoirs, pass on their innermost thoughts and concerns to 
their children and grandkids. Some have a novel burning inside of them. Others dream of crafting a how-to book to pass on the knowledge they've accumulated over the years. They're all part of the 81% of mature American adults who long, yes, long to write a book. The Gallup polling people found that out when they surveyed older Americans a short while ago. The problem for those folks is that they don't know how to get started. I wanted to help them, and I thought I could. Was I right? So far, the results of the book seem to say so. It's already in second printing. It's been named the best book of the year by seven different organizations. It's been awarded a bronze and a gold medal in just a short year and a half that it's been on the market. My goal in writing the book was to help wannabe writers realize they too can become published authors. I also carry that message to audiences when I speak at libraries, at various clubs and organizations. No, they probably won't see their book on a bestseller list, but they can see it in print, possibly even on the shelf of a bookstore or as part of a library's collection if it's good enough. The book is chock full of writing tips and guidance. You can learn about the remarkable new innovations in printing and publishing. It's now possible to produce a book at minimal cost and in any number of copies you might want. You can print just what you need and no more. For those who want additional guidance, The Writer Within You offers a vetted list of resources to help. For example, book coaching companies like my own, wisewriter.net, are listed, as are hundreds of other resources you might need. So you see, all of the obstacles that kept Grandpa from publishing his memoirs have been eliminated. And frankly, the concerns that may have kept you from writing have been resolved as well. The information in this book is applicable to writers in any age bracket. Hopefully, Grandpa's gift of the writer within you will inspire and guide him to fulfill what probably is one of his lifelong dreams. The book is available at Amazon and all of the chain and independent bookstores, or you can order it at a hefty discount at www.retireandwrite.com. Retireandwrite.com. Order it now so you're sure you have it before June 21st, Grandpa's very special day. Oh, spectacular blurb. Yeah, very, very well done. Well, you know, Charles Jacobs, of course, um, already has a career helping people, and um, he's he's created this book, and uh, very well presented to us uh, um, how the book could help, uh, you know, turn Grandpa into a writer. It's great, and also, I mean, it's nice because he let us know uh, he wasn't shy about sharing his accolades. You know, he got a couple of uh, awards there. He gave us some statistics. Uh, you know, 80% of people long to write a book. Um, he basically uh, told us about his passion and what he could do to help us and his desire to help people, and it was absolutely great. I liked it. I thought it was very well done, and in terms of our criteria, bling clarity information and delivery I think, um, well, I, I wouldn't necessarily uh, categorize it as having bling necessarily, but you know what? It didn't necessarily need it either. He, his voice matched his message, and that was something we talked about last week, is that you know, having your voice match your message. Sometimes when they talk about going on television, they say dress to match your message. Well, on Blurb, you can actually you know, use your voice to match your message, and I think he did a good job with that. And I, I think in terms of bling, you know, I, it, it's not necessarily uh, acceptable to wear a, 
you know, a, a group of gold chains around your neck to uh, Carnegie Hall necessarily. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> you you wear the the dress, the bling that's appropriate to the event. You know, you might wear a suit to yeah. Carnegie Hall. Well, the other three criteria that we had chosen for this show, clarity, information, and delivery, de- delivery, delivery, he did absolutely beautifully. So I, I really enjoyed that blurb, and it was excellently, excellently executed. And the one thing I really liked about it um, uh, also is that it was, it was the full time. He used his three minutes. If you're given three minutes, use them. Yep, that's something that we've uh, experienced uh, in the past few weeks that some people that we really, really enjoyed in the first few seconds, 30 to 40 seconds, we were hanging on every word, and then all of a sudden it was over before it began. So we want you to use the three minutes. This is no elevator speech here. This is an actual three-minute blurb, which is an eternity in comparison to what you generally have when you call up a radio station and try to pitch yourself to a a media person or a a host or a producer. Uh, This is a lot longer than that. So so definitely use it. Use the time, and he did. So I think we should listen to another one. Um, And uh, he was the only male participant on the show today. Um, That was not uh, an oversight or anything. Um, It just turns out that we have about 15 blurbs that we got this week in the non-fiction category, and I believe only two of them were were men. So maybe women like to write non-fiction. I think think that's true. (laughs) It could be. Well, anyway, but let's listen to, um, how about Autumn Millhouse? Sounds great. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, my name is Autumn Milhouse, and I am author of Romantic Napa Valley and Insider's Guide for Couples, a recently released book. Um, I am also a freelance travel writer who's traveled the world, and I write uh, specifically about romantic destinations, honeymoon getaways, and um, romantic trips for couples. Um, I also write for a local magazine. I have a column called Love Vines in Napa Valley Life magazine that comes out every other month for people in the North Bay and um, people who just love to enjoy Napa. With 4.7 million people visiting Napa every year and 80% of them being couples, this book is a fantastic read for that particular segment of travelers who come to Napa Valley. This book features the most romantic wineries, restaurants, and places to stay. It also includes a little bit about wine, wine tasting, about romance. We also have creative itineraries included in the book for travelers to use. Um, And we also have the top 10 Napa Valley engagements, which I particularly love. As the author, I love getting emails weekly uh, from particularly gentlemen who want to order the book for um, a proposal that they are planning for their girlfriend. And a lot of times they'll ask me to sign the book in a special way, and usually a lot of times they present it um, as a surprise um, when they're traveling to Napa. And after they get here and they have a wonderful time and they usually get a yes, as a response to their proposal, um, I'm really happy that I received pictures from their day in Napa and their trip in Napa, 
a wonderful little love story usually from the female telling how surprised she was about the trip and how happy she was to get the book. And then also um, just their love story. And um, for me, that really just touches my heart. And I love sharing that with prospective readers and um, other people who come to my website. And I post those all on my blog. So I really hope that people enjoy those. And, um, you know, I'm a hopeless romantic. So I love sharing that with people. Um, the book also, I'm happy to report, just won a bronze award for best nonfiction mountain and Pacific region for the Independent Publishers Awards, uh, 2009. That was just um, just happened recently, and we're ecstatic that the book won. Uh, the book is um, also endorsed by Michael Chiarello, who's on the Food Network. He loves our book. It sells at all of his Napa-style stores throughout California. And I'm also happy to report that Bob Hurley, who is just the king of chefs in Napa Valley, he owns Hurley's Restaurant, wrote the foreword for the book as well. So all in all, it's just a wonderful keepsake with beautiful photography, um, wonderful romantic wineries to visit, um, detailed itineraries, uh, romantic restaurants, and wonderful, wonderful places to stay. Any couple traveling to Napa Valley must purchase the book. It's going to create a beautiful experience for them to always remember and also a beautiful keepsake for them to take home with them to reminisce about. So I hope you enjoy the book, and thank you for listening. Thank you. Bye. Uh, do you want to jump all over that one, or should I? You start. Um, Well, first of all, I mean, I shouldn't be too biased. I'm not a big wine fan, so I don't really get it with Napa Valley, but I know a lot of people that really dig it. Um, She should be really trying to get those people interested. Um, And my problem with the blurb was it was like if I sat down at the table with her at my friend's wedding, she's the person that's rambling on about the book she just published. Yeah, I got that. I got that feeling too. I just felt that she she hadn't prepared it. She just sort of called Cinch and just decided to just talk to herself. <laughs> and don't get bit. me wrong. I mean, the stuff she was saying is dynamite. She got an Ippy Award. She had these crazy, you know, big names that that endorsed it. But you know, I think what it was, I think what it was that that was difficult to listen to was just that it's like the mother who doesn't stop talking about her kid. Yeah. And she's like, "Oh, my kid's the best. They've got, you know, uh, you know, this and that." And um it felt to me like she was just, "Oh, it's a great book. You got to pick it up." And then she'd say something else, and then she'd come back and say, "Oh, it's a great book. You're going to love it. It's perfect for you." <laughs> yeah, I I could have used more benefits. Like, "Okay, what's in it for us?" You know, yeah, that's what like, why what's in it for exactly? Us? Exactly. What can it do? What problem can it help us solve? And she did talk a little bit about that. You know, it was um, you know, romantic destinations, honeymoon getaways, blah, 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 and that's all wonderful. And as a matter of fact, um, our winner in the chat room uh, thought that it would be a perfect book for him because he's getting married next Thursday. So mm. she did actually uh, pique his interest, and, and that's fantastic. Um, but something else that I, I, you know, I don't mean to criticize, but at the beginning of uh, her blurb, I actually could not make out the title of her book because of the way that she was speaking. The clarity was, was not quite there. She said something about, um, I thought, 
couldn't quite figure out the, the name of the, the, the title of the book, Romance Napa Valley, something for couples. I, I couldn't quite make that out. I, I have no idea. I mean, you know, honestly, um, I, I really I think it's a great book because of uh, the things that she said, but I'm not convinced. Um, and that's a, it's kind of a strange thing. Like, I'm, I'm sure it's a great book. She talked about somebody on the Food Network uh, endorsing it and or writing a foreword and but I think it really is about um uh about the delivery and, and and maybe it's about um you know you could talk to this maybe it's about creating your elevator speech the super short core like here's what my book's about period and then expanding that into a blurb That's a very very good point because the thing is the first thing that listeners need to know right up front we need to know a what your name is b we need to know the name of your book C, we need to know what your vision is. What is the purpose of your book? What is what do you what is your message? And and D, wh- what problem can you help solve for us? What what's in it for us? What's in it for the reader? And 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 how what are the the top things that you can answer for us? What are some of the the, the problems or the things that that you know we would like to to know about that you can help us figure out as the expert? So Stating those things up front would be a fantastic sort of launching pad for a blurb, almost like, yeah, that's a great idea, like creating an elevator speech and then and then expanding upon that. And tell us what an elevator speech is again. Okay, sorry. I just have to clear my voice a second. I just ran in from my gig. Hang on. Sorry, Kent. Hmm. I usually have a cup of water with me. <laughs> I, don't I thought one. I was going to get a great sound like uh, <laughs> no, no, in that no. movie Dumb and Dumber where he says you want to hear the worst sound I could possibly make. But, oh, but uh, in, the, in the meantime, why don't we give Sally a second uh, and listen to uh, the next blurb so we don't have to talk. And, okay, uh, let me get some water while we're doing the next blurb. All right, and this is, this is by Iris Weichler. I think I'm saying that the right way. And this is also in nonfiction. It's our nonfiction show today. So here's our next blurb. Love Talk Radio. John and Kate, the acto mom, Sarah Jessica Parker. Their public battles with infertility were splashed all over the tabloids and brought infertility into our homes. There are currently 7 million people privately battling infertility in the U.S. Yes, 7 million people. My name is Iris Weichler, and I'm the author of the book Riding the Infertility Roller Coaster A Guide to Educate and Inspire. I wrote my book for those people and their friends and family, and I'm sure some of them are among the listening audience right now. I've been a licensed clinical social worker for over 30 years and became a mom as a result of infertility treatment. I know firsthand what a gut-wrenching challenge infertility is. My book combines my personal and professional expertise to help give my readers the information necessary to face the greatest challenge of their lives. I interviewed both men and women who battled infertility and chose different paths in their quest to build their families. It's my strong belief that education empowers people. My goal in writing this book is to give people struggling with infertility the tools and information they need to understand how to take control of their own infertility journeys. I want my readers to know that they are not alone. How do you choose a doctor or a clinic? Do men and women cope with infertility in different ways? How do I get family and friends to help me cope with my infertility? When and how do I tell my child how he or she became a part of our family? How does infertility impact us as parents? These are just some of the many questions I answer for you in my book. 
I've led workshops, counseled individuals and groups, and written articles on infertility topics. I promised myself that if I was successful in beating my infertility, I'd do what I could to help and reach as many possible as I could to help them with their struggles. My book will give you the tools you need to help you each step of the way. I'm proud to say my book has won three major book awards, including National Association of Parenting Publications Gold Award for the Best Book of the Year. I also won Forward Magazine and USA Book News Finalist Awards for Best Book of the Year. I've authored three books. I also do an infertility series on Baby Talk Radio and have a Twitter site called Eye on Infertility. I've heard from people around the world telling me how my book has helped them with their infertility concerns. I wish you luck on your infertility journey and hope you will take me and my book, Riding the Infertility Roller Coaster, a guide to educate and inspire with you. I promise you, as many readers have told me, you will be glad that you did. Well, I've got, uh, of course, I'm live on Twitter, um, and you're in the uh, chat room, and that's what we do uh, when we're live on the air here. And um, on Twitter, I just said, well, you know, uh, when authors uh, deliver blurbs or elevator speeches, I think the worst thing you could say is, my book, my book, my book. Well, that's the first thing that we learn when we get media trained, is that the, the dreaded three words, in my book, uh, because basically what you want to do is you want to give people just a little bit of what's in your book without, you know, obviously you're not going to be able to give everything away, but you do want to give people some tips about what's in the bo- what's in the book without saying in my book. But I was, it, she did say in my book, but for some reason in that particular context, I didn't find that objectionable too much because she had actually gone, she had said a lot of things that were in her book. Um, you know the what, where, how, how and how, the, the what, where, how and why, and she had gone on to say, you know, because she had gone through this and why she was the one to be the expert on this topic, and that's something else that's very important. You want to tell the listener why are you the one to be writing this book, and why should people read your book? Because there are so many books written on almost every topic that you can possibly imagine. And another thing, speaking about what not to say to the media. Um, Never say something like, nothing's been written on this topic before. I'm the first person to have written on this topic. You know, that's, that's a red flag because everything's been written about. And unless, really unless you know where Jimmy Hoff is buried. <laughs> and what you want to do is you, you can write as long as you have your own angle and you come at, you know, you have your own particular uh, perspective. And obviously um, Iris has, uh, experience with this, and it, she made me feel like she was the expert. She'd been through it herself, and for some reason, those three little words in the, in the context of that particular blurb did, didn't bother me as much. Yeah, and it, you know, she had some great information um, and a fascinating topic. There's no question. In this nonfiction category, you really do have to be in a niche, and she was certainly um, in her niche, and she told us what we needed to know. Yeah, and she did have those two those two um, elements that we that we all look for. She 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 has a passion, and she sincerely desires to help people. She's on Twitter. She's a website. Uh, the book offers all sorts of resources to help people who have this problem, and and uh, that's why I felt that it was an excellent uh, an excellently executed blurb. Well, let's listen to our next one. Uh, Vicki Hopkins is also in the nonfiction category, and let's listen to her. Love Talk Radio. 
Hi, I'm Vicki Hopkins, and I'm the author of Lessons from the Phantom of the Opera, a new book just released this May and available for purchase worldwide. How did I end up writing a book discussing one of the most timeless masterpieces of all time? It all started with a DVD and a bag of popcorn. Until January of 2008, I knew nothing about the story of the Phantom of the Opera, except that it was about some creepy man who lived underneath an opera house. I was never required to read Gaston Leroux's novel in school, nor had I seen Andrew Lloyd Webber's stage play or movie version. One day while surfing the Internet, I came across a small clip of the 2004 movie, and after watching, my curiosity was finally aroused, especially after feasting my eyes on handsome Gerard Butler swirling around in his black cape. I decided to rent the DVD. Like anyone else, I popped a bag of popcorn, sat on my recliner, lifted my leg rest, and pushed play. The next two hours profoundly touched my heart, and I became obsessed with the story. I purchased Gaston Leroux's original version, devoured it in a few days, and cried over the phantom's pleading words. I'm not really wicked. Love me and you shall see. All I wanted was to be loved for myself. After reading that a hundred million people worldwide have flocked to see Weber's Phantom of the Opera on stage since its first release in 1986, I understood the reason behind its popularity and felt compelled to write. I started a blog on Google's blogger entitled Lessons from the Phantom of the Opera. The blog was a place to dump my thoughts, as most blogs are. 35,000 hits later, from 99 countries worldwide, it has turned into a huge success. After multiple pleading comments and emails from fans, I put my blog into book form. Unlike other commentaries, it is written from a human standpoint rather than a literary one. It delves into the characters, emotions, symbols, and events by examining all versions, from Gaston Leroux to Weber's stage play and movie. As a result, life lessons and applications emerge for everyone to enjoy. At the end of each chapter, I have added a special section entitled The View from Box 5 that contains a series of questions to spark further thought on the reader's part. Whether you're a long-time Phantom fan about to see the play for the first or tenth time, need a lively discussion piece for your book club, or would like a companion study tool for teachers or students, Lessons from the Phantom of the Opera is for you. You'll close the book with a deeper appreciation and understanding of the story. You may even shed a tear and learn the meaning of true compassion. It's possible you'll realize you've been hiding your own emotional deformities behind your mask, and you might confess that your reflection in the mirror sometimes brings you pain. In the end, you'll discover that you're very much like the phantom, that all you really want out of life is to be loved for yourself. Well, that was a great blurb. I think... Um you know, she hit some good points. Um, I, I, I thought it was a little bit. Um, uh, well, you tell me what you think. What do you think, Sally? <sighs> well, I guess the problem is, is that I mean, if it, the topic wasn't completely interesting to me, so I found myself daydreaming a tiny bit. What'd you dream about? Um. <laughs> well, I was thinking about. Uh, Alternate words for uh, infertility. <laughs> yeah, I was still thinking about the other blurb. Well, um, well, that's not good. I mean, that's like when you're in the elevator with somebody, like those 50 floors. You know, if you had three minutes in the elevator. Yeah. Or you're stuck. You're stuck in the elevator, and it gets fixed in three minutes. Right? You got those three minutes with Steven Spielberg or somebody. And they're still thinking about the person they had just met five minutes before. That's not right. good. 
Right, 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 right. Not good. Not, not, not good. That, that's not a good point. But that's not to say that it wasn't a good blurb and not an interesting book. But why don't you tell me a little bit about that book? What did you get out of that? Um... Me? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're talking that. to the person that gave you the blurb. Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 I would like you to tell me from what, what, what did you get out of that blurb? Tell me, tell me about the book and what you learned about it from listening to that. Since I obviously didn't do a very good job listening. It's really gorgeous weather in New York today. <laughs> <laughs> let's just let's say I mean she did a good job, but you're right. I, I, nothing stuck, and that okay. there's a lot about stickiness. You know, how can you make something stick? And but I, I actually, I am a little curious. I guess I'll have to Google it later. But what was her book about? And we'll have to go back and listen when when we're reviewing it. We'll give her a, a fair shake. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I really don't know either. Um, and there's uh, you know. Uh, I feel kind of guilty now, and that's not good. We're, we feel guilty here on Blurb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but Vicky, please, um, we, we are going to review your Blurb again. I, the book sounds really fascinating. I mean, obviously, Kent and I are, are musicians, and we appreciate uh, wonderful musicals and Phantom of the Opera, and I know that there's some fantastic stories in there, and it was a really, really ingenious idea for a book. And, and fascinating that you were so touched by it, and then we're actually able to go on and write a book. So Actually, now I, can, now I do yeah. kind of remember it. Okay, so, I mean, she did talk. She talked about her blog, um, and she said she's gotten 35,000 hits to her blog, and and then she talked about her fans wanting her to write a book, and she did it. And that's good to know, but I think in in this world there's so many... Um, there's so many streams of uh, information and so many people that have blogs and this and that. She has to tell us why. Yep, indeed, indeed. Um, and she also has to to explain, um, uh, you know, what exactly is in it for the reader. You know, I think she said lessons, life lessons from Phantom of the Opera, something uh, that yes. everybody could, could relate to. So, um, you know, this is something that maybe she could have expanded upon a little bit to, to really hook us in and let us know why we should read it. What, what lessons exactly? What life lessons can we learn from that? And, um, yeah, because, I mean, I think actually if I listen to that blurb again, I, I might be interested in the book a little bit more. But it well, sounded like it was a very interesting concept, and I do, I do commend her for coming up with a unique idea. And but but by the way, you should speak for yourself when you say you respect Phantom of the Opera. Okay, well I've never seen it. <laughs> I'm I'm not a fan, but that I know. That... But I know it's a huge deal. And that oh, wait is... a second, who is the composer of that again? Uh, that one guy. Oh gosh. Okay. Yeah, I don't like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most profound blurb we've ever had. Um, the show, I mean, not the blurb itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, we're having a good time here. Uh, if you if you want to uh, uh, see hear more of the hilarity, uh, visit our website at blurbradio.com, or you can hear us live on the air at blogtalkradio.com/blurb. But if you're listening to us, then you probably already figured that out. Well, we've got some great comments in the chat room. Uh, I'd love to share, maybe. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Let's see here. Um, 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 Okay, Chris Chris had a really nice comment. He thought it was a great idea to capitalize on such a popular topic as the Phantom and to build a book from the grassroots support of readers. It's true. It's true. And, um, it, it's a it's a totally uh, beloved musical, and we make fun of it, but uh, all around the world people love that musical, and uh, that certainly is a great uh, platform to start with. Laurel had a great comment, too. She said she liked the idea of stickiness. I'm glad they were listening. Wow, thank God we have chat room people here to to uh, 
fill in for us when we when our mind, minds wander. She writes that she likes the idea of stickiness, especially when the topic, the Phantom of the Opera, has such a narrow audience and hmm. because it's a tough sell. And that's right. true. It's very very niche sell. Well, where you know point. what you said a minute ago is that oh, is this is this life lessons from the Phantom of the Opera? That um, people might think that Phantom of the Opera actually is a huge topic, but no, it's not. Um, but life lessons is. That's right. That's true. So that that is very interesting. Yeah. So um, yeah, and and again, Laurel had a good point too. She said that she uh, she's got a platform of readers to start with, and that's that's pretty lucky. I mean, to have. A platform to begin with, and, and fans that, that want you to write this. So that's that's what we're all striving for as 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 authors is that we're trying to build our herd. I always like to say we're trying to build our herd. Actually, I think I got that from I don't know simultaneously. I might have gotten that from um, uh, Rick Frischman, but but yeah, that's that's what we're trying to do as authors. We want to build a little group of people or a large group of people eventually that just love what we do and become our fan base, and we can. You know, build our fan base by creating a newsletter and creating some kind of giveaway on our website and really trying to get people interested in what we're talking about. So that's something very commendable that she has a fan base to do that, and that's what we all strive to do as, as authors. And and speaking of fan base, you know, everywhere Sally Shields goes, um, she has a throng of about ten to 20,000 people following behind her. That's right. That's right. I, I don't go anywhere without my entourage. <laughs> oh, did I mention to you that I... That I auditioned for Shark Tank this week. Well, I knew you were you were thinking about it. How was yep. that? I made my video. Well, for for those of you who are interested, Shark Tank is a new Mark Burnett um, reality show that's sort of a takeoff on The uh, Apprentice. And basically, what you, what you do is you uh, if you're chosen for the show, you get to pitch your idea, uh, product, or business in front of a group of multimillionaires and PR geniuses and for the chance to get them to back your, your product and to uh, grow your business. So I put together my little videotape this week and uh, entered Shark Tank, so we'll see what happens. Keeps did life you, interesting. Did, did you do that uh, headstand, you know, with the spin that you do all the time? <laughs> no, I didn't get there because there were very specific instructions as to how to make this video. And the other interesting thing was yeah, they only wanted you from the waist up, and they didn't want any edits. You had to do it start to finish. You couldn't edit the tape. Wow. And, yeah, you had to sign, like, literally it was like signing tax returns. I had to sign, like, 30 pages. I had to get the videographer to sign 30 pages. You, have to, you had to fill out in handwriting about a 20-page application form. It was quite extensive. Wow. It was very interesting. I think that um yeah, they want to make sure that you you know, that you don't become the next uh sounds like, or something. Sounds like uh filling out a rebate after buying something expensive. They're trying to make sure you don't get in. <laughs> and and they're also trying to make sure that if you do get in they own you. Oh yeah. So they own you if you get in. They own you if you get in. It's television slavery. Indeed. But Yeah, and we have to say that the the blurbs that are played on this show uh, we don't really own you uh, if you win blurb. <laughs> but that's a good concept. We could work on that. Yeah, we could try that. Well, um, let's listen to um, uh, now Laurel. She's got guts. Uh, she's in the chat room, right? Uh, yeah. She's she's brave and actually uh, uh, she's brave enough to be in the chat room while we critique her blurb. So that's that's great. Fantastic! I'm excited. We're we're saving saving a. Uh... Saving it for last. Do you want to ask her in the chat room if uh, if we should be brutal or if, she, if we should be gentle? Okay, let me ask her. Uh, 
<laughs> How honest should we be? <laughs> and while Sally's doing that, uh, we're, let's listen to her blurb. Laurel Peterson and Lisa Dresner. This is their nonfiction blurb. Blog Talk Radio. From L.A. to Zimbabwe, women have stories to tell about their experiences of justice in the inherently patriarchal institutions of language, religion, war, sex trafficking, and medicine. Reinterpretations, The Shapes of Justice in Women's Experience, is a collection of essays that captures the trials that women across the world face and the hope they create through their courageous actions. Individual essay topics range from questions about the justice of polygamous marriage in Dofar to divorce law in Israel, to the ways pharmaceutical companies market to women, to a teacher being bullied by her students in a wealthy Los Angeles high school. Through both personal story and factual overview, these essays emphasize that as people committed to justice, women must not simply raise the questions, but they must also explore solutions in order to reclaim justice for themselves their daughters, their sisters, and their mothers. The collection was co-edited by Laurel Peterson and Lisa Dresner, who are both English professors at Norwalk Community College in Connecticut, where they co-founded the Fairfield County Women's Center and each acted as director for one year. Ms. Peterson then started a women's studies program at the college, which she chaired for four years. Her writing career has included a newspaper column on local history for Gannett Suburban Newspapers, and serving as editor of the literary journal Inkwell. Her poetry has been published in many literary journals, and her poetry chapbook, That's the Way the Music Sounds, is forthcoming from Finishing Line Press in July. Dr. Dresner currently chairs the English department at NCC, where she also leads the Center for Teaching. Her publications include articles about autobiography, theories of space and place, the writers Nancy Mares, Audre Lorde, and Dorothy Johnson, and the instructor's notes to the fourth edition of The Everyday Writer. Maria Pilar Aquino, professor of theology and religious studies at the University of San Diego and visiting professor of theology at Harvard Divinity School, says of the collection that it shows the usefulness and power of storytelling to change women's lives, while Cara Tuttle-Bell, at the Center for Women's and Gender Studies at the University of Southern California Upstate, says, this impressive, far-reaching collection refreshingly presents women as empowered activists, not victims, struggling against the patriarchal systems that continue to obstruct social justice and equality. You can check out the Introduction to Reinterpretations, The Shapes of Justice in Women's Experience, online at www.laurelpeterson.com or purchase the collection from Cambridge Scholars Publishing at csp.org. Wow, Laurel, that was really intense. Yeah, she she had me um, honestly in the first sentence. It's what what I was saying earlier about uh, starting with an elevator uh, uh, yeah. pitch and going from there. I mean, her first sentence was from L.A. to Zimbabwe. Women have stories to tell. I mean, damn. <laughs> yeah, when she started going the language, religion, war, sex trafficking, and medicine, it was just like. Zoom. I mean, it was and then, really. And then really she went clean. another level down and said, you know, uh, uh, was it divorce in Israel? Blah blah blah. All these very specific examples. Questions about the justice of polygamous marriages, and I couldn't. I, I didn't know where where that was exactly, but then and she very, brought up Israel, and yeah, very very timely. 
very timely, mm-hmm. obviously very um, poignant, poignant stories, and um, very, very interesting from you know how to change women's lives and all of these uh, accolades that they've gotten, uh, impressive, far-reaching collection, empowering activists, all these words that really caught my ear. Well, guess what? They're both English teachers. Yeah, indeed. And not only English teachers, but <laughs> they, they, they also <laughs> yeah, they, 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 they founded a, a women's center in Fairfield County. Um, they founded a women's studies program. They have a newspaper column, uh, poetry journals. I mean, my goodness, it's just the list goes on. Right, and, I, and I, meant, I meant in terms of the way she crafted it. I mean, it, it was crafted with, I, I tweeted about, uh, she used the word forthcoming, and I don't think I've used that um, in speech ever. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, she, she said it and uh, made me want to use it more often. Uh, and oh, you, just the way she crafted it was very beautiful. Uh, Laurel just corrected me. It was the, uh, the, polygamy, the polygamy in Dofar in the Middle East. Very that nice. Was what I was trying to, but, um, so she got yeah. she got lucky. Like maybe she knew her blurb was good. Uh, she got <laughs> lucky that we liked it. She didn't have oh. to hear a whole bunch of criticism. Indeed. Well, I also I just like that um, that there were uh, the fact that it's a series of essays that explore solutions to reclaim. Mm. I couldn't. I, I just remember these words. I, I don't remember exactly the words, but I like the fact that she uh, ha- that the book offers solutions to problems. And they're very passionate about their topic, and they're very interested in uh, helping people. So those are the two elements that, that we always look for. And um, very, very, very impressive book and impressive blurb, impressive to authors all around. Well, this has been great. Uh, we had five really fantastic new blurbs. Uh, I, I would say we're getting more critical rather than less, uh, and uh, I, I think that's great. It's, it's fun to do that on the air. Indeed. Well, you know, this is exciting because this is the time of the night that we actually get to talk to last week's winner. Absolutely. He's with us. Is he with us? Yes, I believe he's with us. And uh, his blurb, uh, just to remind people, uh, was all about uh, bankruptcy. Actually, let's listen to it. Okay, I'd love to. Okay, here's Christopher Missick's blurb from last week. He's our blurb book of the week winner. 1.6 million Americans will likely file for bankruptcy this year. That's an average of more than 4,300 every day. The current economic situation shows few real signs of hope for families most in need of financial relief. For many, the only thing that stands between total financial ruin and the opportunity to pick up the pieces of their American dream is the fresh start that bankruptcy can provide. I'm Christopher Missick a bankruptcy attorney in Southern California, and author of the book, Begin Again. I wanted to provide consumers and clients trapped in their own financial hells, a book that would offer consolation, provide hope, and educate them on the process of bankruptcy. I care because I've been through it myself. When I was 10 years old, my parents had to file for bankruptcy after a successful business suffered in a recession. In the book, I set four simple goals for the reader. Learn the process, dispel the myths, lose the fear, begin again. Part self-help book, part legal primer, Begin Again is the kind of book that can help people use the law to change their lives. For most, bankruptcy in America today is not a tragedy or a sin or a failure. 
Bankruptcy is a beginning. You can begin again. You can find more information on me and my credentials by going to www.missic.com. Great blurb, and uh, it's our pleasure to welcome Christopher Missick on the air. Welcome to uh, Blurb Radio. Hi, Dr. Ken. Thanks so much for having me here. Well, it's exciting. What, am I chopped liver? <laughs> oh, sorry about that. <laughs> it's great talking to you, too. In fact, we've been emailing back and forth. Yeah, you made the introduction. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. How are you? Glad to have you here. Doing well. Well, it's an honor to be here. Well, and I'd love to start off by um, uh, asking you about your background because uh, it's fascinating to go to your website and see uh, the many things you've done. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, it's been kind of a winding path. Um, Everything from moving in different areas in this country, living in different cities, to being in the military, serving over in Operation Iraqi Freedom, and coming back and going to law school and, and putting out my own shingle to start a bankruptcy practice. Um, that's kind of the, the, the nutshell. <laughs> and, why, and, and you talked about in the blurb why you're uh, doing the bankruptcy practice so that your folks had gone through this. Uh, tell, tell us more about that. You know, I grew up in a very entrepreneurial household. Uh, when I was two years old, my dad set out and start, started his own construction company here in Southern California, and it grew into a multi-million-dollar-a-year company uh, but like what we're seeing now, when the recession in the late 80s hit, and early 90s, it, it just devastated him. There were far too many people who owed him far too much money. And literally within a period of weeks, the dominoes began to fall. And bankruptcy became the only solution. There was just no way to recoup the losses that were mounting. After that experience, I wasn't a 10-year-old saying, I want to be a bankruptcy attorney. I did experience the pain, the fear, the confusion, uh, and the harassment that people who are in that sort of a situation experience. Uh, It stuck with me. And while I was in law school and while I was sort of rediscovering the legal aspect of bankruptcy, that's when I decided, you know what, this is something I want to pursue. This is something I want to do because I can, one, use the law to help people, and I, I can show them that there is somebody on the other side of that desk who knows exactly what they're going through. Sally, what do you think? Uh, um, Are you you chatting? You're not paying attention, are you? Okay, no, I I just (laughs) go off topic, but it looks like your wife looks just like Beyonce Knowles. Uh, I think you're looking at the wrong picture. (laughs) (laughs) She's Uh, beautiful. I'm, I'm at your personal website because I want it. It's Christopher okay. Mystic Esquire. Oh, your your fiance. Yeah, I saw the fiance on fiance? there somewhere. Oh, uh, there's a picture on mystic.com. It's mystic.com, uh, and there's a picture of you in front of a flag, and then below that is a picture of you, and there's a there's a big uh, a steam liner in the back, and it's yeah, huge. yeah, that, beautiful. That's actually over in Long Beach Harbor. Uh, that was that was a. a a reunion I was at with a bunch of people. And, yeah, that, that's her. That's her. She doesn't look like Beyonce Knowles to me, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you're, in, you're engaged, which congratulations. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, you know, it, it's funny listening to what Laura was saying. I was actually in France studying. I was actually in a, a, a women's studies class at the time, international uh, uh, women's rights. And that was the, the period where I met her, and she's French, and 
So being an attorney, I was able to do the visa myself, and she'll actually be here this Wednesday, and then we're going to be getting married. <laughs> so it's all going to happen. You're getting married on Thursday is very cool. Wow! Congratulations. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, thank you. I'm excited. I'm really and, excited. And the book, uh, Begin Again. Uh, you know, it's it's a terrifying time for a lot of people, and and honestly, uh, it's no different than a lot of different times. But I think uh, the media has hyped it up so much. What do you see out there um, from your perspective? You know, in the introduction to the book, I talk about how not many people have constant experiences with the law. Generally, those experiences revolve around, you know, divorce, uh, creating a will or, or death or disease. You know, there's so many difficult periods that people go through that they have to deal with the law, and bankruptcy, in a sense, combines all those. There's a sense of loss that you would otherwise feel if you were just working, you know, with a will. There's a sense of despair that people often feel in the middle of a divorce. Uh, so what I wanted to do was let people know that, yes, this is going to be a difficult process, uh, but if you look at where you are right now, you can't pay your bills. You're afraid to answer the phone. You're afraid to open the door because you don't know what creditor is going to be on the other side. This is a chance for you to wipe the slate clean, for you to start fresh, and for you to begin again. And I've heard that it's not just uh, on your own front porch. These days, uh, the, the collectors are so vicious that they'll, they'll track your family members down, your friends, your place of employment. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, calling at work, that's probably one of the things that people deal with. That is one of the worst things because when you're at work, you want to have at least a, a little bit of separation from your personal life and your work life. You don't want these things to have an impact on your career. And when that begins to happen, quite frankly, a lot of people have no other choice. They have to seek bankruptcy mm -hmm. protection. Hmm. So. And and uh, what's your what are your goals? Uh, you've got this book, of course, Begin Again, and uh, you're getting married, and you've got this practice. Uh, you're going to write some more books. You're going to keep doing this practice. What's your what's your goal? You know, I, I love writing. Um, in fact, I worked for a judge at one point, and there was a research attorney there, and he said the law is a profession for frustrated writers. I thought that was funny because you spend so much of your time writing, and I had the opportunity to publish some works in the past when I was deployed uh, with Operation Iraqi Freedom. That was between March of 2004 and 2005. And I was one of kind of that first crop of military bloggers. And so that was an experience in and of itself. And a lot of that actually was merged together and put into a book. So this is, this is actually my, my second book. This was my first one on my own. And I look forward to actually working on an entire series of books geared towards consumers and clients to help take the fear and the apprehension out of dealing with certain legal issues away from them. So. And what other issues are there? You know, one of the ones I'm going to start working on pretty soon here is going to, to be dealing with peripheral issues in bankruptcy. For one, looking at identity theft. Um, you know, just short books to supplement for clients and consumers that are going through those situations. Another thing I was actually talking about with a friend just the other day, another lawyer, was sort of expanding that. I'm surprised that so few lawyers actually take the time, uh, although it's a, it's a tough profession, but take the time to connect with their clients on a level that is even deeper than just a half an hour client meeting. So there's a lot of ideas like that that we're going to pursue. 
So, Sally, what do you think of uh, uh, Christopher's blog, um, blurb? Uh, and, well, I'm uh, staring at pictures of him and his wife, and I'm just like, <laughs> wow, you guys look so happy. <laughs> yeah. Why, I mean, why, do you, why do you think we chose him? Well, okay. Well, first of all, obviously, you know, I, he, he wants to help people. He's, he's been through it personally. He's the expert. He's the perfect person to speak on the topic. He had an absolutely wonderful clarity and delivery and, and all of the elements that we judge the blur by. And basically, he was just um, an all-around great guy. There you go. Well, thanks, cool. Sally. <laughs> you know, one of oh, – I'm sorry, but – one of the things that I think is important, um, and we've heard it with different blurbs in the past. I've listened to a bunch of them and some of them tonight. I think it's getting the point across quickly. And one of the things you mentioned that you liked last week and what I tried to do was a certain sense of passion. I think you have to believe in what you're writing, and you have to get that across because if you don't believe it, other people aren't going to believe it. And I think that's whether you're writing uh, you know, a fiction book, whether it's a self-help book, uh, it doesn't matter. I think that's important. Yeah, and uh, you know, yeah, and and uh, you you uh, have some tricks up your sleeve because you're a lawyer. You know that uh, you have to check out all the information on uh, that you can before you uh, put your argument together. And this is with blurb also. It's not that hard to go back and see our winners and psychoanalyze Sally and me and see see how you can become a winner yourself. Yeah, you know. Uh, specifically mentioning my book, I, I'm, that was my golden rule. I'm not going to say in my book. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So how well, long and, did it take you to, to, to write the book, Chris? You know, it actually began in law school. I was in a class. Uh, my mentor, kind of one of my favorite professors of all time, uh, my bankruptcy professor, had us write, you know, one of those 30-page term papers. And I was on a very specific topic in bankruptcy. But as I was exploring the history of bankruptcy and, and writing pretty extensively on that, the idea occurred to me that this is something that could be a potential use for clients. I, I could take some of what I had written for that class and expand upon it. Uh, so really, the book was kind of a work in progress for almost two years. Um, but over the last couple months, when I became even more committed to the idea of putting it out there. You know, I, I just sort of put my nose to the grindstone and basically got it done in about four months, five months. That's great. That's really great. So congratulations. And how, how's the book been doing for you? Pretty, pretty good so far. Uh, what I'm trying to do is find some new avenues um, to get the book into the hands of the people that need it most. And so aside from clients, aside mm -hmm. from providing it to other attorneys, who in turn uh, provide it to their clients. I've been trying to do things like go to swap meets or provide it to vendors at swap meets to sort of, like I said, hit on that very grassroots level of people who may need the information the most. Now, aside from that, the official publication is actually going to be coming up, and so it's, it's not on Amazon yet. It will be in just a couple weeks. So we'll see how it goes then. <laughs> yeah, also, I mean, have you, do you have any uh, talks lined up? Because this is the kind of stuff that – be great, you know, you'd be great speaking in colleges and, you know, of course, um, one of the little secrets about uh, speaking is that you can get, uh, you can make part of your fee a prerequisite that everybody that attends the speech has to get a copy of the book. And you could yeah. do really well, um, you know, selling your book uh, during speaking engagements. 
something that I see for you because you're such a well-spoken person and you could really, really make a difference in a lot of different places. Well, thanks, Allie. I was actually just meeting with uh, a representative from a local newspaper and direct mailer yesterday uh, talking about getting the word out to have a seminar. You know, in particular, it's not just about helping people through bankruptcy. I have a vision of helping people so they don't have to go through bankruptcy. Hmm, there's, a judge out of Rock oh, <laughs> there's a judge out of Rochester, New York, Judge Ninfo. He's a, a bankruptcy judge, judge up Ninfo. there. Ninfo? N-I-N-F-O. Yeah. Ninfo. <laughs> Ninfo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he's got a program called CARE. And what that program does is actually goes into the community, high schools, colleges, and it helps educate people on credit so that they don't have to get into those situations that are so desperate. And I look forward to working with that as well. So, And your book itself, uh, just, just about some of the specifics inside it, uh, give us a, like a, um, a one-minute uh, uh, pitch about um, what the book itself does, just, just if folks are listening in again. Uh, and it's mythic.com, of course, but what's in your book that can help people? And what, is, what does your book give them? You know, as I mentioned in the blurb, I set out four goals to learn the process, to dispel the myths, to lose the fear, and to begin again. In a sense, the book sort of follows that format. In the very first couple pages, I explore why bankruptcy is such a big issue right now. I talk about the fact that we've reached one of the most severe financial crises we've ever had. I move forward to talk about some of the myths associated with bankruptcy. I mean, there's so many of them. Everything from you're never going to get credit again to everybody's going to find out I filed for bankruptcy or it's going to affect employment. And I try and work people through those to help them understand that a lot of those myths just aren't true. I then take a look at the history of bankruptcy, uh, a little bit of why we even have bankruptcy in America, mentioning that bankruptcy was in the Constitution before we had the Bill of Rights. I think people don't realize that this is part of our social compact here in this country. And finally, I actually go through the processes of Chapter 7 and Chapter 13 bankruptcy, explain what exemptions are or a reaffirmation agreement. What happens if you're married? That's basically the point of the book. Hmm. Well, it's been a real honor chatting with Christopher Misick. He's the author of Begin Again, and, uh, of course, he's the winner of uh, Blur Book of the Week. Absolutely. It was absolutely wonderful pleasure to have you. You're such an impressive guy and really, really um, intelligent and caring. And I just wish you the best for your marriage next Thursday and, and a <laughs> lifelong happy life. Yeah, and of course, Sally is the, the, the marriage manager. What, what, what's your tagline? Oh, you know, you've got to forgive me tonight. I just, like, flew in from a gig and my brain is basically mush. But um, what tagline? Which is it one? mother-in-law manager, daughter-in-law manager, something like that, right? Oh, the, oh, oh, the in-law. Well, I, it used to be the mother-in-law manager, and I changed it to the in-law expert. So uh, if you ever have trouble with your in-laws, she's the in-law expert. Well, I'm going to have to get a copy of daughter-in-law rules for her, so I want to <laughs> make sure that relationship stays smooth. <laughs> you'll, you'll thank me. You'll, you know, you might not thank me now, but you'll thank me in about 10 years. <laughs> Very good. Well, it's been an honor chatting with, with you, Christopher, and uh, we wish you all the best with your book. Thanks for being Thank here. Thank you so, so much, much for having me. It was an honor. And, well, and uh, Sally, Dr. Kent, I don't want to miss that outro music this week. I, I think we better start it now. Let's do it. 
Well, it's been great chatting with you, and uh, I can't wait to see who we're going to choose from this week's five nonfiction blurbs. It's going to be a tough choice, but um, it was a great show. All right. Thanks thanks to everybody in the chat room, too. Yep, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Uh, In the last ten seconds, uh, Sally, I hope you have a great week this week, too. Thanks so much, Dr. Kent. Have a great week yourself. All right. Bye, all. Bye.